Welcome back to another episode of Two Average Husbands. I'm your host, Jake. And I'm your host, Kyle. Welcome back, everybody. And we are back on the groove train. What are you drinking this week, Jake? I am drinking the Peanut Butter Cup Stout by Big Muddy Brewing. Hell yeah. Both of my stouts tonight are actually from Big Muddy. I've never had them before. Know nothing about them, but they are from Illinois. That's nice. all I've got. I got them both as part of the uh, like build-your-own-six-pack at Binnie's. So nice. here we are. And I'm drinking straight out of the bottles tonight because... Ugh, you unsophisticated plebe. If I peer pressure you enough, maybe you'll go get a glass. Like the, a the glass is right there. Like it's, I know, you're just lazy. I am lazy. You're not wrong. <laughs> All right, my first day. beer is the Hus Brewing uh, Coffee Kolsch. It is a family-owned, locally brewed in Arizona. There we go. A lot of locals, as you know, from coming to Total Wine here. There's always a shitload of Arizona beers at the Total Wine. I forgot that this is not a brown beer look at this yeah yeah it's a colch for you i did not expect that when i poured it it smells oh. delicious it smells like it sounds good you know the weird thing about it is it almost smells like like when you get a first whiff of it it almost smells like stella but then you smell the coffee hmm. really come out of it so it's almost like a skunky coffee interesting all right fine you convinced me yeah, I, had the, I had the glass ready. You freaking plead. Oh, man. That tastes way better than it smells. First really it, first impression on mine for me, <clears throat> first sip I took, it, 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 it's reminded me of a porter, and we all know how our experience was with that. That's true. Not, we didn't have but, a good experience. Um, I did have a porter last night when we were at the bottle, one of the bottle shops by us, and it was pretty good. So maybe it was just we got really unlucky with the one that we picked. Yeah. But we will find out. But all right, Kyle. So last week I had to uh, start us off. It's true. You with did. Our, our beer tier list. So what do you got for us this week? You did, and I have to look back at my list because I sent myself a text because I have terrible memory of exactly what I wanted to talk about this week. Hey. Oh, I wrote this down on a piece of paper next to me thinking that it wasn't the one that I texted myself, but it was the one that I texted <sighs> myself, so we can talk about it. All right. All right. Um, so I think there's it's a weird <clears throat> it's weird because as somebody that's invested in the company, I was super stoked to hear the news, but then now I've seen in the news um, like there's a lot of people that are really angry about this company mm-hmm. and what what they're using their money for and I'm I, I really want to hear your opinion on it, and then I can kind of talk about what I think about the company as a whole and why I believe in them. But the Virgin Galactic launch happened with the successful uh, flight over last week, and actually we're a little late on the news, uh, but Richard Branson went to space. I didn't actually look and see what the confirmed altitude was that they went to, and I also don't really recall what the confirmed altitude needs to be in order to be qualified as space, uh, but I could probably figure that out quickly. But uh, Richard Branson goes to space. I think it's amazing. I think it's fantastic news. He goes up there, some of the teams from Virgin Galactic. And it's absolutely uh, awesome because they've had so many delays. I think they were supposed to start commercial travel this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So selling tickets to actually take people up to space. Uh, But then they ended up not because of, I think primarily because of COVID. But in addition to the COVID issues that they had, they also had the, uh, the problem of having several failed test flights and issues happening when they were trying to launch their uh spacecraft i guess for lack of a better term and so it's it's awesome to see them actually now taking really like a non like 
pilot there, right? So you have Richard yeah. Branson going up as a passenger with a couple other employees from the company. So I think it's a huge milestone for the company. Uh, and I've been a uh, somebody kind of pitched space to me. SPCE is the ticker for them on, on this mm. exchange, and somebody pitched it to me as almost a joke, uh, kind of like before we really got into the meme stock trend that we're kind of in right now. Somebody was like, "Oh, you know, this is just going to blow up for a day because it's like a meme." Right. And I ended up buying a bunch of it when that happened, and then I looked into it more and more and more, and I actually really do believe in the company as a whole, and I think commercial space travel as a whole is going to be an interesting concept. It's not something that I'm even necessarily interested in doing myself or that I could ever afford because it's going to be incredibly expensive, at least initially, as people are finally able to take all the millions of dollars that they've invested into these companies and actually turn it into a profit, which is going to take a while. So I think initially, like I saw something in the hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to get a ticket for this but for me like i said this was great news and then i was talking to my wife about it and she's like oh there's so many people that are just absolutely furious about this company and i was like oh that's weird like why she goes well the the big thing is and i I could be incorrectly uh quoting her but she said something along the lines of like people are upset that he's spending tons and tons and tons and tons of money as like a multi-billionaire just to kind of take like a 30 second trip into the upper levels of the sky like not maybe not even necessarily into space and they're like there's so many things you could be doing with your money that are more fruitful and helpful like for the planet or whatever so um there's a lot of different things and i think people are just really upset about the fact that we're using billions of dollars to put people just in space for the fun of it when they could be investing it in other ways so really like that's me talking for a little bit about just kind of the background of it but i'm interested in right. your perspective a on uh, what do you think about commercial space travel as a whole? And then more specifically, what do you think about uh, the way that we're focusing or the way that certain individuals, multi-billionaires are focusing their funding towards these types of programs? So I think if we're talking about like commercial space travel as a whole, like I think it's a, obviously it's a super interesting concept. The fact that like our government won't even like regularly send people into space outside of sending them to like, you know, the International Space Station. It's really the only time you're you know, you don't hear about people going into space all that often anymore, especially, you know, with the, the tragedies that have happened at previous times when they've tried to send people to space with different, you know, um, different shuttles exploding and, and the loss of life and everything that goes there. But commercially, I mean, like, as, as you kind of stated, like, this is something that you and I are never going to do. Like, we are never going to have the funds. Never say never. We are almost, it's very unlikely that we will ever have the funds to just casually throw away whatever this is going to cost to go to space. Like maybe it ends up being like an all time, like we're about to die and we're just like, fuck it. But, you know, it's, it's a cool concept, but the, it, again, it's just, it's a shock factor thing, I think. Like it's so people who already have a ton of money and have a million other things to brag about can say, look at me, I went to space. Like I just there's no like viable benefit of going to space as of right now from what we can tell obviously you know elon has his goals of you know getting to mars and and determining if there's you know habitable planets out there for us besides earth um and i think that's something that you know there's benefit to that research that's being done but just from a like a personal standpoint like it's just something that's not overly interesting to me like, see that's i agree with you partially right and like the fact that most people are never going to do this mm-hmm. uh which is actually it's interesting too because initially my my stance on the company as a whole was that i don't i don't believe in it i never yeah. did really truly believe in the company initially as i was kind of looking into it and because i think it's like uh you know a joy ride for billionaires you yeah. know what i mean like i don't i didn't see the value 
long term. But I think you have to think critically about the fact that doing things like this are a step in yeah in the right direction in terms of actual space travel. Right? And like that's what I pitched back to uh, Carly last night. I was like, you have to understand that. Well, she's like, you know, there's so many like they could they could be putting all of this money towards in- increasing the livability of our own planet. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's great, but think about the long term. Like, there is probably going to come a day when this planet is uninhabitable. I feel like it's probably a scientific fact that that's going to happen, right? Yeah. And so, I think you have to sooner than later start reaching out into space just to kind of test the limits and see what can we do, what are we capable right. of, and I think shutting down that research and stopping programs like this is probably a bad idea in the long, mm-hmm. the long future, hopefully of of humankind. It, well, I think a way you can look at it too, if we have billionaires who are who are doing this, they're essentially doing research that the government isn't spending money on. So in a way, it kind of saves tax dollars from that aspect. We're not funneling yeah. tax dollars into a project that may fail. This is somebody's, you know, obviously they, they you know, they're selling stock. There's investors. There's people out there who are invested in this company, and you know, I I think that's, you know, clearly, you know that's their disposable income they're they're making yeah. that choice to invest in the company like you did um i think that you know there is a benefit to that i also i i definitely get where carly's coming from i do think there's a lot of ways that the uber wealthy could use the resources that they do have in a much better way you know i i do think there's a lot that could be reinvested in you know i i hate to you know use this type of analogy or use like use this as an excuse, but there are people out there who are so wealthy that they could give every single person in the United States a million dollars right now, and barely blink. Like it's it's a fraction of what they're they're oh, worth. Oh yeah. yeah. And you know I I think something like that like there's obviously resources that you can funnel that money into that'll help people short term, but I I do see long term benefits about getting deeper and deeper into space travel. Even if it's not for my generation, even if it's not for the generation after us. Like that like you're saying, it's almost scientific fact at this point that there's gonna come a point where people are not gonna be living on Earth. And you know I I think somebody's gotta do it. And it, it honestly for me, I'd rather billionaires funnel their money into that than the you know US taxpayers. Because I'm kind of interested, I just posted the poll on Twitter as well to see what kind of the viewership thinks about this in, in addition to what, what we think. Because I think it is, it's going to become a controversial thing. It already There's already contention about it, but I think it's going to be interesting to see over the long term where this goes. Because just like anything, right? Like the first computer, if you ever wanted to, like when computers were released, this is obviously vastly different, but when computers were released, you were paying thousands and thousands of dollars to have a fucking shitty PC in your house. And so... Like anything, things become more affordable as the technology develops and the overhead is reduced. And so I think eventually you're going to see this open up to a, a broader audience. Uh, but and honestly, like just as a total side note, squirrel a little bit, I think it's hilarious that you had two billionaires racing to see which one of them was going to yeah. make it to space first with their company, right? So you had um, Jeff Bezos and I can't Blue Horizon, I think, is what the company is called. Mm. I could be completely wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. If that's not it... Sorry. Uh, But then you had Virgin Galactic as well. And because of the fact that I'm invested in Virgin Galactic, I was super stoked that uh, Richard Branson was the first one to make it. Uh, The funny thing, though, is that leading up to the the test flight, uh, you had a lot of hype behind the stock. So the stock completely was going crazy. And then after the successful test flight, you'd think, oh, yeah, the stock's going to stay up or it's going to go up a little higher. It completely crashed. It's been down like 30% in the last two days. But 
you know, you, you kind of bake in some of that news, whether it's a success or not. You just get some hype that runs the market. But either way, I thought it was pretty hilarious that you had two billionaires trying to rush the space. Yeah, so actually, uh, it's Blue Origin. Origin. You're, you're okay. close. Uh, but they're, according to this, mind you, this is a, a Wikipedia article that I clicked on. Um, but there were four billionaires actually racing the space, according to the Billionaire Space Race page on Wikipedia. Um, nice. being, it was Elon with SpaceX, Bezos with Blue Origin, Branson with Virgin Galactic, and then a Russian-Israeli billionaire named Yuri Milner, um, oh, who was backing that, yeah. a company called Breakthrough Starshot, Interesting. Um, which is a project for an interstellar probe. Um, Elon himself has not been to space, that correct? Like, I don't believe just, so. Like, he sent a Tesla to space. Yeah, I think, I think Branson was the first... Of the billionaires. Yeah. You know, the one of the incredible things about this, too, is just, like, the competition this is driving, and it opens additional doors for for other things. Like, you shoot for one goal, right? But out of one goal, you end up coming up with a bunch of different options. And, like, I know this is true, like, specifically of medicine, right? Like, people are trying to develop medicines, and they end up finding uh, different types of medicine along the way that are actually good for other types of ailments, right? So, yeah. like... The, you find a, a medicine with multi-uses. Like, you find... You know, like right now, it's about which billionaire can get to space first. Yeah. But who knows what those resources can bring us later? I could be wrong, but like even like I think like the polio vaccine or whatever, like that was an accident or something. Or no, it was maybe it was um. I don't fucking. Know. It was doesn't it, matter. Was there's, it like penicillin an accident? I think so. There's a bunch because penicillin like came from mold. I don't fucking know. There's like yeah. all sorts oh, of different shit where like you do. Not a doctor. You have a ton of investment into a specific goal, but a lot of things come out of it. And I think that's probably going to be true of, of this type of thing as well which kind of rolls into a conversation that I'll have at a different time. But like, then you end up having like things like Starlink, like as a expanded branch of, of SpaceX. And then you have like the contract opportunities that SpaceX is finding with the U S government, which is why it's a counterpoint to what you were saying a little bit. in the fact that like, we are not investing our tax dollars into mm -hmm. those companies. Cause we absolutely are. Uh, we just not necessarily for the same purpose. Yeah. Like we're not doing it for commercial space travel, but we are, using spacex to take astronauts to the international space station and we're also using spacex to launch satellites i believe i could be wrong about that i don't think elon is taking all of his own satellites so i think he is contracted with the government to do some of that as well so you but have my, my point was more so just that like if blue origin if virgin galactic if spacex if any of that fucks up that is not funded by the taxpayers as part of just the natural taxes that we pay every single day directly sure. it's not directly funded you know they are yeah obviously if you're invested we in are not company, funding commercial space travel yes directly yeah. so a lot of that research ends up being you know maybe it's indirectly funded you know as we're kind of talking yeah. about here but yeah i mean i think you can find like there's wor there's definitely the way i'm also looking at it too is there's definitely worse ways that these people could be spending their money like you know they could just be developing another you know company that sells the same product that's being made somewhere just rebranded a different way yeah. like like there's there's worse things that they could be doing there is better things that they could be doing but i think you can make that argument for anything and i think if sure. you if you you know you kind of nitpick that argument too much like i could be doing the best thing that i can right now and there's still probably a better way i could do it or something better that i could be using that time for i just never I never expected this to be controversial. Like yeah. when Carly told me that there was controversy about this, I was like, why? Yeah. And then she kind of explained some of it to me. And I was like, okay, I kind of get that. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I see opportunity in what they're yeah. doing outside of just commercial travel right. for billionaires. So I think in the long term, this was probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I do, I understand 
to an extent some of the the gripes about it yeah i, I get the viewpoint i but like i said i think there's worse things that people could be doing sure and you know it's cool to be able to say that we can take people up to space if we need to even briefly even if it's short term and it's just a trip oh hey you're in space oh now you're not like dude that's, that's the thing like a cool you, thing to say i'm not like an adrenaline junkie by any means but like you look at like you go crazy up high on like a roller coaster or something like and just the view you get from that is incredible and it's like you get it for like a split second before you know you dive down the, right. the roller coaster but the, the it's incredible just to have that moment of like holy shit this is awesome and i just can't imagine like how exponentially more cool it is to fucking launch into space for th- oh, yeah. in 30 seconds right like you get just an absolutely mind-boggling view of the planet at that point and it's it's got to be incredible so i think like you said, I probably will never do it. I'll probably never be able to afford to do it, but I understand how it could be just absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I think we're both kind of in the same place here where like we see both sides of the argument. We're just kind of taking it for the value that we have from it yeah. now. And I think it's incredible. Yeah. I It's a celebration to me that it happened and I think it's going to be great. Not just because I'm invested in the company, but yeah. I think it's cool. Definitely, man. Yeah. That's all are... I really have though. I just was curious on your perspective since it was the news and we kind of missed it, but Yeah. That was a good topic. You know, I uh, I honestly really didn't. I saw Twitter memes about it. That was, like, the extent of kind of what I knew. I wasn't even, like, really following it like that. So it was yeah. cool to be Well, able- the interesting thing is I think if I, if I hadn't invested in the company, I probably wouldn't know as much as I did yeah. or follow it nearly as closely. But I follow the news because that's when the stock prices change uh, based on the hype of the company. So I think I'm a little bit more closely invested in the company as a whole because of the money that I've put into their stock. But... I think in general, like this is going to become significantly more public. Yeah. Now that they've had some successful launches, but yeah, I think the also thing... the mechanism for launching, by the way, is pretty freaking wild too. Like I'll I don't have know to go if you've seen the video. Watch... No, I haven't. I'll have to go back so and watch it. It's a giant airplane that has the rocket, like the spacecraft, attached to it. Hmm. So the the plane itself, I think it either goes to forty or sixty thousand feet. I can't remember which one, but I think it's forty. I think it goes to forty thousand feet. And then it disconnects and launches the rocket motor. It is pretty incredible. So uh, that's cool, too. Just like some just engineering gee whiz, I guess. But it's pretty cool. Too. Interesting. Well, yeah, great first topic. You know, definitely something uh, I always, you know, I'm fascinated by space. I'm fascinated by, you know, the, the world that's out there that we don't know, whether that's part of our, you know, part of our world or not. I, we'll, we'll have a different episode. I want that to kind of be like a feature topic that we talk about um, once sure. we get to the, you know, we'll have some episodes planned where we plan the topic out ahead of time. But yeah, yeah. Um, so my first topic this week is actually something that Jess suggested. So props <laughs> to my wife. Um, Shout out. She wanted me to get your opinion <clears throat> on a lot of the very controversial arguments that I like to hold with people. Okay. You probably have heard me say some of these, but I want to see your opinion on it. Okay. So I'll start with the most common one. Is a hot dog a sandwich? We've talked about this before, I think. I don't think we did it on the podcast. Uh, I think the interesting thing is, and I know your opinion on this, and I understand your opinion on this, but I fundamentally disagree with your opinion on this. I don't think so. I think a hot dog fits within its own genre of foods uh, because, like, I don't know, do you consider a burger a sandwich? Yes. So that one makes a little more sense to me, but even that, like, I almost consider a burger its own category, which is probably stupid and like unique to me. But no, that's uh, I think that's a fairly common thing, because it's like when I, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think sandwich is probably something along the lines of like 
a turkey sandwich or like some sort of lunch meat, right? Or like a tuna salad sandwich or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's for me, I don't, I don't think that it is. I'll, I'll end it there before I rant about it, but uh, I don't think so. Oh, for one, hot dog is a sandwich. Um, this one is another controversial opinion that I have. Um, by but, definition, I understand it. By the way, two pieces of bread with meat in between. Like, if that's your definition of a sandwich, a hot dog is a sandwich. So, yeah, I just don't think so. The argument that is always made with that is the bread is not completely separated, oh but it God. can be. I would not get that nitpicky, but yeah, that's how. That. That's literally the basis of most people's argument with it. That's it's like the bread's not separated. I was like, well, you do, would you consider an Italian beef a sandwich? And they're like, yes. And the, well, or you ask, that's kind of bullshit too, because like sub sub sandwiches generally yeah. like not every company cuts it all the way through so exactly and that's that's kind of a that's silly argument. the next point that i make there but moving on is cereal a soup oh god dude this is this is a whole lot of terrible arguments that i feel like you just have just to be the fucking vindictive one in the conversation because no soup is not cereal is not soup but why be, because soup okay first of all i think by i'd have to know what the actual definition is for the dictionary but i feel like the definition of a soup is probably some sort of a broth and uh, with some sort of a mixed ingredient, right? So, and I could be wrong. A liquid dish is the definition. A liquid, a liquid dish. dish. Is that like the Webster's Dictionary definition, or is that some bullshit definition? That is the Oxford Dictionary. Uh, all right. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think so at all. And it's specifically, it is. <clears throat> it's because you're taking essentially just it's almost closer to like oatmeal than it is to soup because you have like just sort of a grain in a in a fluid it's not like you're using like some sort of a broth or a substantive substantive i don't know if that's the right word base for like some sort of a like a dish it's just i'm throwing something into milk and i'm eating it or you can how, eat cereal how's dry that, how's that different though than like a cream of mushroom soup so, it's mushrooms and cream, which is yeah, but a dairy byproduct, which is very similar to milk. Soup is also, generally speaking, and I know this is probably not a hard definition, but it's also cooked. It's also something that has uh, been, like the ingredient flavors are blended together through the process of actually like simmering something together or boiling it together or whatever. Like you have a blend of flavors that's not just two separate things. Like really cereal is milk and some sort of like od bullshit right so like you have two separate things that are just sitting together as opposed to like a soup absorbs the flavor of everything that you put into it and you could argue that like the milk is gonna i was gonna say if i make my cereal, cereal with chocolate milk it's gonna yeah, change but I the profile up i think you are just having chocolate milk that is sticking to cereal and you're eating both of them at the same time so like i, I see those as two separate entities not like you're having one absorb the flavor of the other okay that's fine i don't know i disagree I don't... My opinion isn't too strong on that one, one way or another. It's just one that I do have. Um, this one is a good one. This one, um, I think there is actually a definitive answer to this one, depending on how you view the question. But what came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, one second, because I looked up Merriam-Webster. So I'm going to define this first. So this says, a soup is a liquid food, especially with a meat, fish, or vegetable stock as a base and often containing pieces of solid food. So it's specifically talking about the base being a stock, which is kind of what I was alluding to. Partially. You could argue that milk is dairy stock. 
I don't know. I don't want to hear that argument. That's ridiculous. So you get stock by boiling out the liquids of other items and mixing it with water and salt. It's basically just pasteurized milk. I hate that argument. I think this is like, I think people have too much time on their hands to create these fucking theories in general. (laughs) I 1000% agree because I know how my life is lived. Um, All right. What's what's the next one? Sorry. What came first, the chicken or the egg? And like I said, I do think there is a definitive answer to this one. Yeah. I mean, there has to be. And I feel like, I feel like it has to be the chicken Mm. because I feel like through evolution, right? So you have in general, the chicken has to have evolved from some other type of bird. And in that family, at some point in time, you probably had a genetic anomaly that came from a, which I guess you could argue really either way, right? So like you could say that the genetic anomaly in the egg created the chicken, which would kind of argue that the egg came first exactly my argument could also say that the the bird that produced that egg was probably so genetically close to a chicken that really it was that chicken first but you just answered the question there eggs were around before chickens were so by definition the egg came before the chicken that's the way i view the argument i could i get where you're coming from and i get both sides of it but i think definitively if you're if we're just being objective about it eggs were around before chickens were we have scientific proof. Is, I feel like we'd have to. I, I haven't because I don't have the time for this shit. <laughs> I haven't looked into specifically the genetic tree of a chicken, so mm-hmm. I don't know like what type of species they came from and branched off from in the genetic yeah, you know, pathway. So if I cared enough, I would go in and look at more, this more. But I think my answer is probably. I think you've probably sold me on the fact that it's probably the egg. The egg probably came first. There we go. One for three. But the interesting thing, if you think about that, right, so, like, you had some sort of production initially, right, in the form of an egg that was genetically getting closer to a chicken, but that animal was still probably breeding with whatever its ancestor was in the genetic tree, at least initially, Mm -hmm. so it took a long time to produce what we see as a modern-day chicken. Um, I don't know. It's a weird theory to kind of dive down. You'd probably have to be on some sort of hallucinogenic to really get to the center of your thoughts on that <laughs> all right we found out our 50th episode i'm kidding yeah, right. um all right so we got we got kyle on the on the uh, the dark side of the force on uh, one of these sure. arguments here sure um this one is more of just a kind of a mind-blowing question that i want your opinion on okay H- how do you feel about the fact that vegetables don't technically exist what's your definition of a vegetable then like, what are you saying is how does it not exist in your mind? In the scientific world, there is no no such thing as a vegetable. In what way? Like how is there's it no like, there's no category of vegetable. There's a category. In, in what scientific world? Who said this? It, in science, there is no vegetable. What do you mean? So, like when you're discussing plant species and when you're discussing the plants that vegetables come from. There's no scientific family of vegetable. There is no sci- there's no scientific consensus on what a vegetable is. What we determine as vegetables are just edible offspring of certain plants. In the in in the scientific world, fruit is a recognized term. Vegetable is not. I I don't know. I don't have an answer, I guess, because I've never heard this before. I've heard all this, these other arguments for the most part before. This was brought to me not that long ago, and I was like, this is fucking dumb. And then I looked into it, and I was like, hold on. I think it's pretty stupid. 
Because I think I think the definition scientifically would be what you said, right? It's anything that you've grown with the intent of having some sort of edible portion is in the family of vegetable. But then fruit that's not falls fruit, under that. Right? Fruit falls that's under not that. Not a fruit, because in the differentiating factor between a fruit and a uh, vegetable is generally like the seed source, right? That's and so there is a clear about. delineation between the two. So whatever is not one, but is still grown to be edible from the ground, is the other. So I don't right. I don't, like, that's correct. But scientifically, I feel like that is the science, right? Like you have you have created the delineating factor in science that the seed that produces the edible portion of that plant is the delineating factor between fruit and vegetable. So I feel like that is defined. That's why I don't really have an answer to this. Like I, I just fundamentally did fundamentally don't agree that that is undefined. Basically, the so where this originally stemmed, it looks like is. There's articles dating back to like 2015 about it, but basically in, in botanical terminology, the term vegetable does not exist. So that's where the argument kind of starts. Mm. Um, and so in that term, like we, it's not a biological category. It's, you know, botanically speaking, it doesn't exist. We do consider vegetables what they are. And everybody, if yeah. you say what a vegetable is, we all know what vegetables are right like we we understand that so concept, at some point in time right you have a social definition of this like correct. whether science accepts that definition or not i guess is kind of irrelevant because we right. socially have accepted what that word means but and then there's another argument there that if it doesn't exist in one term does it exist at all yeah i would say yes i think every definition of anything has come from some sort of a societal acceptance of what something is right like, right so like a fucking grunt back in the caveman days was eventually societally accepted as some sort of form of communication. Does science agree with what that means? Probably not. I don't fucking know. Yeah. But the the thing is, is like we as a society, deter- so the the stupid thing about this, right, is like there are some things that are probably fundamental truths, like that you just you there's not much of an argument for one way or the other. Like gravity exists. Right. I feel like you probably. Unless you're some crazy fucking off the wall like conspiracy person, like you probably will agree that that's a thing, right? So well, that, flat earthers think gravity is the fact that we're on a disc that's perpetually moving upward. Either way, they ex- accept the fact that gravity is a thing. If the no matter where it's coming from, right. it's a thing. And so I think as a society, we have come up with that definition with that word, right? So I mean, you are getting pretty introspective here, and you're getting to the point where like this is getting very like ooh, like I'm in my fucking. Uh, coming up with like some deep diving in the, into the brain but i think at the end of the day like we as a society outside of maybe the clear definition of science have defined what that term means and so i think it's hard to argue that vegetables don't exist i i, I feel like most scientists wouldn't just wouldn't argue with you like, so there's probably some kind of oddballs that have like decided that that's their stance and that's what, this article that i'm currently looking at from bbc earth is essentially saying the same thing. It's saying that vegetable is a culinary term, and because there's enough people that accept that as what it is, yeah. that it has brought itself to like, but that still doesn't change the fact that scientifically it's not there. And I think that is a perception argument that we could have another Yeah, I'd time. be very curious to hear what... I'd be curious to hear somebody... Maybe I'll just have to read an article or something, but again, I probably don't have the time to do that. But I'd be very curious to hear somebody tell me that it is not a thing because of blah, blah, blah. Like, I'd I'd be curious to hear an opinion that is on the dark side, as you put it, uh, of this one. So basically, so this kind of talks about it. Um, It refers to the fact that um, 
radishes and carrots are what we eat are are merely merely just the roots of the plant yeah botanically speaking onions and garlic are bulbs potatoes and artichokes are called tubers Asparagus are stems, lettuce is leaves, cauliflower and broccoli are inflorescence, apples and pears are fruit. But technically speaking, vegetables don't exist. But that's the thing, right? It's like, I'm sure there's some sort of technical path you could go down where you're saying like a fruit is a specific something of a, of a plant as well, right? Like you could say like a fruit is a seed or a fruit is a something, you know what I mean? Like you could say there's probably a, a deep dive you could go down that path too. So like we have agreed that tubers and lentils and all these whatever the fuck maybe lentils not i don't honestly i don't know but like we have agreed on the the definition of vegetables so in the meantime i uh i need to give you my review on my beer because i want to crack my second one same so uh the first one i'm gonna give a 7.2 Ooh, that's a uh, i one think it was you. actually really good i think it has a good coffee taste without being too heavy uh like a stout and so i think uh if you enjoy the flavor or the taste of coffee i guess um and you also like beer. I think you'd really enjoy that. So I gave mine a 4.9. Um, I was between a 5.1 and a 4.9 for mine. Um, I do. I have had these for a while. And even though I've had them in a beer fridge, I do think that having them for a while has killed off some of the flavor of them. It seemed a little light for how it was reviewed online. So I'm going to give it a 4.9 for now with the caveat that maybe someday later in my life I'll like it a little bit. <laughs> All right. My second beer is Murphy's Imported Stout. It is very similar in uh, packaging to a Guinness, like the label, not so much, but it has like the floating the ball, ping pong ball, or whatever the fuck you want to call it as well. So probably, my, I would imagine this is probably a very generic. Stout. Yeah, that's kind of what when I just hear imported stout, it seems like it's going to be pretty basic there. Um, I am drinking, uh, like I said earlier, uh, it's another one by Big Money Brewing, and it is their vanilla stout. Sometimes those are like the best when they don't try to get too wild and crazy. Like they just make a pure oatmeal stout or a pure vanilla yeah. stout or whatever. Sometimes those are really good. Yeah, I don't. You have to accept what your specialty is and just roll with it. Sometimes it's a good pour though. Like I didn't even try, and that's a yeah. That's pretty solid. Pretty solid. I can tell you from my first sip, I already like this one more than the last one that I had. Fair enough. All right, and then the last one that I really want to um, get your opinion on which is something that has been stated by um, the president of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy. Do you agree that you cannot give out a perfect score if you are rating something? No. Why? So at some point in your... You're going to accept... Okay, this is going to get a little bit philosophical too, I guess, but you have to accept what is your definition of what... uh, a perfect version of something is right like you have to have some sort of uh, concept of what that is in your brain and if i feel like that's not impossible because if like for example like if i have if you take like the the very generic definition of a stout like right you don't add any flavor or anything it's just mm-hmm. a stout like at some point in time i could in my brain register that that what i am tasting right now is the perfect match to that definition that i have so maybe not to everybody else would that be a 10 out of a 10 but if I match something with my definition of what it could be at its best, then it, it's a 10 to me. But what if you have something that's better? You don't know it exists. That changes my it. definition at that point, right? So like if I somehow now have tasted something that is 
match my definition, but it tastes even better, like for stouts specifically, I'll just use that example because that's what we're doing, then my definition has shifted mentally, right? Like I understand that my previous understanding of what perfect could be in that category has elevated. So I don't right, think that but... it's a fact that you can't meet the expectation of the highest quality of something. I think that your probably perception is going to change over time based on what you're witnessing. Right, but that kind of leans into the argument that you can't then, in theory, actually find perfect because perfect could evolve over time. But now sure. you've, you've now rated two things the same, exact same score, while admitting that one is markedly better than the other. Sure, that's fine. But my point is that like now the one that I've now tried second, right? So my new perfect means that the one that I had previously is not a 10, right? So like if I rate something a 10 out of 10, then the one the previous, if it was like this close to being just as good, then now it's a 9.9. But so your scale changes, but I, I, I don't agree with this at all. I think you absolutely can say something is the best out of a category. Just because your perception eventually changes doesn't mean that at the given time, something wasn't as good as you thought it could be. Because now you're getting very into like, scientifically maybe not right like sure like i'll yeah. buy that argument all day long the problem is is like everybody is subjective and so everybody's definition of something being perfect is going to be completely different and if you are able to fulfill your own definition of what that means at the time even if you experience something better later you are still able to experience the max extent of some of any given thing right like i could tell you the best movie that i've ever seen in my entire life was a 10 out of 10 but if I see a movie that's better eventually, that has just changed my definition of perfect in that category. Like it has still met my definition previously, but now I've experienced something better. So I get what you're but, saying. But in you're that then now... changing previous scores and you're, I guess you have to then like specify that, you know, whether or not you can go back and change your opinion on things at, from a rating perspective. But like, yeah, if you, if, you, do, if you document it, it, so like for what we do with the beers, like if our opinion changes, with the beers that we drink we have to go back then and document that this has now changed but to a set of people they're never going to see that so in, in, sure. some, in some people's mind your 8.8 .8 will always be an 8.8 .8, even if you think that 8.8 .8 is now like a 7.4 that's my point though is like your your perceptions will always change like whether somebody else agrees with you or not is irrelevant because everything is so subjective like everybody has different tastes like your senses are different like my senses are not the same as yours so everything's gonna be different there's no way that is a better question in my in in my mind is that could anybody ever perceive the same thing as being perfect no because i think that gets into something that's much more difficult in that you have to i the think there's probably no i like, think there's enough enough science there that shows how differently we perceive everything yeah. that it'd be mathematically it's probably possible but it's probably very close to impossible sure that you and i will ever see 100 percent eye to eye on the same the way that we perceive things we may give things the same rating but yeah. we don't perceive them to be the same thing and our definitions of what that category can reach are probably actually different like you might have a lower standard or a higher standard for something than i do but our our number at that peak is 10. so if my standard's lower but my standard is 10 then like I would have a 10 for something that you would be higher on or you know what I mean? Like, or whatever. Right. So I think you're, I think I wouldn't think too deeply on this one. I think the answer is yes. Like you can find your own perfection in every single category, whether that definition changes over time or not. What I think you're trying to drive at is that if you're willing to accept the fact that your definition can change over time, then you can never truly achieve the top of that category is I think what, what the point is there. And I think that's just, 
I think that makes sense mm-hmm. in a in a way, but I just don't I don't accept that as a reality. Like I think if I experience the best fucking any given thing that I've ever had in my entire life, that is a ten. I have experienced perfection in that category until I have to redefine that definition. All right. And that's why I wanted to ask you these questions because most of the people that I have this argument with, they bring back no argument of substance. Their argument against it is just, no, I disagree. And then they don't elaborate and I just don't get to have that fun conversation as yeah, part sure. of it. Uh, I think, so, dude, philo- philo- Jesus Christ, I can't talk. Philosophy as a whole is, is, is mind blowing. I remember like I took one class in college and even in that, I think there was eight of us in a room. And like just the amount oh, yeah. of conversation that we could have over, you know, any stupid thing was it was pretty incredible, which lends itself to the fact that even if you agree with somebody on something like your your definitions are still probably a little different. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't agree with that. I think you you can. It's sad to think that you can't expect experience some sort of perfection in your lifetime. I don't like, think that's I sad can, to me. That's sad to me. I think there is. But so. I, the one way that I, I can make this argument that might make sense. I believe that there is a perfect out there. I believe that I may never know what my actual perfect is. I believe that there's, no matter how good of a burger I have, there is always going to be a better burger out there that I'm just never going to experience. Gordon Ramsay burgers. Shout out to Gordon. Shout out. 10 out of 10. Um, there's I no matter every beer that I drink, there's going to be a better beer out there. Even and that's and I think that also just comes down to variance. Like if that beer is a, is out of the tap, we we you and I both agree that beer out of a tap tastes different than beer out of a can tastes different yes. than beer out of yes. a bottle. Yes. Yep. So one time I could have the beer and not think it's great, and then the next I could ha- next time I could have it and it's perfect or near perfect. And I think that I'm just always going to be chasing that level of perfection. Which is you and you, I get your, DM, I, baby. I, I totally get your argument there, but that's just kind of how I view it is I will never know what my perception of perfect is until I have it. But that's my point is that you, you're going to, at some point experience something and think this is perfect. Like how many times have you used the phrase like 10 out of 10 in your lifetime? Never. I say 12 out of 10. That's even same worse. Concept. I know. It's you know what I mean? Concept. Like that's my point, right? Is yeah. like in that moment you are experiencing your definition of perfection. Right. And so I think to think any deeper than that is just a waste of your time. Like, I think you are, you should accept your own definition of what is just impeccable and be like, holy fuck, this is amazing. Like, I'm living in the moment. You might experience something better down the road. Fucking great, dude. That's great for you. Yeah. Like, your definition of perfect has changed. You're like, oh, I didn't even think conceptually that it could be better. Right. It has been. But I, I do, like, I do concede that that lends itself to the fact that you could never truly experience perfection because you are willing to accept the fact that there could be something better. So, I. Uh, philosophy yeah i still think i believe in the 10 out of 10 <laughs> all right like i said i think the i think the chicken and the egg one is the only one with a really definitive answer i think a lot of this are a lot of That's these arguments I, a lot of these arguments boil down to your perception Some and of them i think are just straight up stupid agree. Like hot dog sandwich soup cereal there, so this one keeps popping up in all of these articles that i pulled up about it does a straw have two holes or one? Um, I think that is. There's. I think there's probably a scientific answer to that too, right? Like in the fact that there is one hole in an object with two openings. Correct. Because you have created a hole through an entire object, which has created two openings of the same hole. It's like there's a hole. 
two and I have two openings. Yeah, yeah that's or that's, two that's, closings. However you and want. and that's that's where I sit with that one too. So that was the last one that I really had. I could do an entire episode of just asking you your opinions on things like pop tarts being just ravioli, pastry ravioli. That's that one's always a fun one. one. Dude, the funny thing to me is that there are people that probably like, honestly I think the two best ones that you have there are the perfection one and uh, what was the other one that we just did right before that. I think there are a couple there that are actually worth discussing, like from a philosophical standpoint, like that are yeah. interesting to speak about. And then the rest of them are just silly and like, we'll oh, just yeah, do it because we can't oh, like you're never going to gain anything in your life from talking about a hot dog being a sandwich. Oh, but it's just an yeah. interesting thing to talk about. It's just a, some of those though, for time. real. Like it is very interesting to hear. Like I've never heard uh, Dave Portnoy talk about the fact that he can never achieve a per- perfection on a scale, which is interesting because he fucking does that as one of his primary jobs is rate things. But, but so that's his point. His point is very similar to mine in that, well, at least with his scales, so the scale that he does for pizza, he, he can't change the score. He has made that a, a set thing that once he rates the score, that's what it is. Yeah, so I get that. He, so he will never give a 10 because there is the chance that he could find better pizza one day. And I do think that lays into what you're saying, which your perception of perfect can change day to day. So if you're thinking perfect you may never the pizza may meet all of your criteria but it may you may just accept the fact that there could be something better out there and that's i think that's, that's what his argument about that conversation though is like if you think about it like if he went back right now and tasted every single piece of pizza that he's ever tasted again it he would probably have different definitions of their ratings the second time around oh yeah so he's literally just accepting the fact that like uh first impressions right or like yeah. you're are your absolution, which I yeah. don't agree with at all. I don't disagree, but I, I get where he's coming from with that argument for, for his pizza review specifically. Yeah. So I don't know. All right. That's well, a that's good all one. I got. For I like that. Yeah. One. That was good. Yeah. I just brought it up and I was like, you know, I'd actually like, I look at my list and I'm just like, sometimes I like, I have a long list of topics and sometimes I just don't know what I want to talk about at any given time. And yeah. it was, as always, right before the podcast. And I was like, what do you think we should talk about? And she brought it up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I've actually been finding recently that I've had a lot of conversations at work. Like some of them edging into the philosophical, uh, you know, arena that I think are actually great podcast topics. So thank out, you know, shout out to my work boys that uh, yeah. they're giving me some good ideas. Because I have sure. some that I've put on the list. They're not going to what I'm talking about today. But well, uh, actually, even... one of them is, though. My second topic, transition. Transition. Uh, is actually completely something that I just talked about at work today. And I think it is, I work in a unique field and I think that it, um, it's a little harder to judge the specifically topic, the specific topic based on what I do. But I think as a whole, it's very interesting. So the topic is how do you think workplaces are going to adapt to the expectations of younger generations over time and then do you think that those that refuse to adapt are going to fail i'll answer the second question first and that yes they anybody who fails to adapt to any circumstance or any situation is bound to fail let me use a specific example all right because this will probably help you determine your opinion on this because this is kind of where my where i talked about it today right so uh i'm going to throw this number out just generically but say that the the normal work day for everybody is nine to five Right. Do you think that somebody that sticks to that philosophy for the long haul, right? So they're saying in my, in the existence of this company, we will never change the duty hour 
outside of nine to five. Like we will always be a nine to five company, no matter what happens with technology or working from home or teleworking or happiness of the employee, we are always going to be nine to five. Do you think that company will fail? I think eventually, yes. I think, I think any company, any organization, any person that gets so in the fantasy football world, we call it take lock. If you have a take and you refuse to budge from that, no matter what you're presented, you are bound to fail. Even if you're right, your process was wrong. So even if that company does last forever, even if that company, you know, until the day that the lights turn off in the world, even if that company is still there, they're failing in some, I, I guess this just gets more philosophical. They're failing in some way. They're either failing their employees, they're failing themselves because they could be more profitable and they could be more productive if they change their business models. You know, I think, I just think if we get too stuck in one lane, if we get into a point where we just have complete refusal to adapt, I think you're eventually going to fail in some way, shape or form. The interesting thing that I, I, the perspective that I gave back to the person that brought this up today was that you have to think about the way that, um, motivations change over time specifically, right? Mm -hmm. So like the motivation to do, to enter a certain career field, might be based off of a specific event. Right. And that event happened within a certain generational lifetime, right? So think of, um, I'm trying not to allude too, too much into the specifics of this conversation, but so say like 9-11, right? Right. 9-11 happened within a certain generation of people's lifetimes. Like we, you and I, were probably one of the youngest people to keep that in living memory, right? Like we yeah. are probably the end of the generation of those that had 9-11 in the livable memory. Yeah, I doubt people much younger than me I was in third I was, grade. Yeah, I was six. So I was in probably first grade, first or second grade. So I, I remember it. It impacted I, me. But yeah. it was I was at the edge of almost not remembering that. And, and, I th and I think I was, I think I'm the actual edge there because I knew what was going on. I, I, I understood the severity of the situation. I didn't grasp it. So yeah. I think that my, I think my age bracket of the, the you know, current 26 year olds is probably that like the very end. Like you're obviously gonna have your outliers of like your three year olds who remember every aspect of everything that's ever happened sure, in their life. Like that. She and, remembers everything. Yeah, like I have a ton of memories from ages that, scientifically speaking, I probably shouldn't have any memory of this occurring. Um, but I just yeah. So I, I get what you're saying with that. And so because that there's you know a lot of things happened because of 9/11 and a lot of people chose to go down certain career paths such as. A lot of people wanted to get into being pilots. A lot of people wanted to get into the military. A lot of people wanted to, you know, change the course of their life because of a specific yeah. event. And I, but and I think that kind of leans into my point is that when specific when events happen, you have to adapt to that situation. You have to. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, COVID. COVID changed the way that almost every single organization in this country did business for the past year and a half. But that's the interesting thing, right? So. And I think this is where this conversation gets uh, very um, comparable, right? So you have like a major, major historical event, right? Like so 9-11 was that for us. COVID is that still too for us, but really 9-11 was like one that changed the, changed the way the United States operated within that generation. Mm -hmm. So you, you had a significant event that changed the motivation, like the career motivation for a lot of people. So now you're getting to the edge of that generation and you can't, necessarily rely on that same motivation for younger folks right so you have now a generation of people that are already being recognized as having a different mentality on the workforce right. as a whole but then you introduce COVID into that as well so you have now that is the probably the event 
of a new generation, right? So you have people that are maybe anywhere from five to 10 years younger than us, or even a little bit farther than that, right? They are going to remember COVID as a, probably a, a life-changing event for them. And because of that, you have now put a different motivation on a whole generation of people that are going to enter the workforce or people that are just entering into the workforce, really. So, like, I grew up uh, with a standpoint of, like, like a nine to, like you can go back to the 9 to 5, right? So, like, 9 to 5 is, mm-hmm. is the expectation, right? So, I'm not worried yeah. about that. Like, that's what I've expected for my entire life. That's what I right. think is going to be a thing. And so, when you start to introduce somebody that their very first job had teleworking, how do you ever change that? In my, so this is my opinion. Now I'm rolling into kind of my thoughts on this too, but how do you ever go back from that? How do you ever dial right. back from that when you have somebody where their very first job or even like very first full-time job, right? For some people was 50% at work and 50% at home or a hundred percent at home. Yeah. And obviously a majority of these companies didn't fail just because they were letting people work from home. So I think a lot of companies specifically, uh, you know, major corporations are finding that if you can, so I heard somebody describe this today as the triple bottom line, which I'd never heard before, but your bottom line of like financial bottom line, your, uh, um, ecological, I guess for lack of a better term, like caring about the planet is a bottom line yeah. and then people, right? So you have a, a three major th- tiers or foundational right. things that are uh, helping you to guide your policy in your company. And you can't just pick one and cater to it and, anymore. I don't think, I think you're, there are societal pressures that are creating it and it, a situation where you must take care of all three of those. And I, I think companies that are from our generation, not even created in our generation, but with the work ethic and force and generation, right? So like you have people behind us that think we are the lazy generation. They're like, ah, oh, yeah. those fucking like millennials. Like we're in the category, right? So like yeah, we're millennials. Really it's Gen X and Gen Z that I'm talking about behind us. But so millennials are just lazy. They don't, you know, whatever. But really it's, <clears throat> we have a lot of the same values as them because that's where we grew up with. So we expect like a 40 hour work week and five days a week and yada, blah, 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 whatever the fuck. And so I just, I don't know how much you are going to be successful if you are unwilling to accept that technology is changing and that also you have an entire generation that was exposed to the ability, at least partially, if not wholly, to work from home and still be successful. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like circling back to some of the same points within that couple minute rant there. But I think at the end of the day, like my opinion is no kidding. Like, and so like without getting into the specifics again, but I heard somebody in essentially the same sentence say, we're doing this and we're sticking to this because this is what we've done and we are different. And then in the next sentence say, we have an issue because we haven't adapted. Essentially was like how that conversation went. And I was like, how do you not see that what you just said is the reason we are having a struggle on, on the other point is like we, the refusal to adapt and understand and be willing to, I do, like I said, I work in a, in kind of a unique environment, but at the same time, like in the same you know, avenue of thought, like eventually everybody has to adapt. Yeah. There's no way that people from the 1940s and thirties and, you know, the, even like into the fifties, like that's like work compared with those in the sixties to eighties compared to like the nineties to two thousands is, was the same. And I think people are trying to latch on to this. I can do nine to five forever with two weeks of vacation a year or less, uh, with no health care. And I think my, 
at the end of the day, like the bottom line is I don't think these companies are going to fail. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to get to a point where they struggle so bad that they're forced to adapt. And I think the ones that are going to really benefit and be very successful are the ones that recognize that now yeah. and start to adapt. Even if it's slow adaptation and like entering into like new uh, phases of how they operate. Because that, that'll be part of the problem too, right? So you get a corporation that, that doesn't see that on the horizon now. And they go, oh, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And then you get to the point where you have to adapt. Right. Because you're like, oh, shit, we're in a position where, fuck, we fucked up. Yeah. And then now you have to rush to do it, and your company's probably going to suffer. And this, everybody, like, a lot of the talent has already pushed to the places where they did have more freedom or whatever, you know? Yeah. In a lot of my marketing books um, from my undergrad, we, so there's a bell curve that's commonly used, and it's your first, I think it's 2.5% is the innovators. So they're the first people to recognize, all right, something's got to change. And so we're going to be the first ones to do it. And then you have, I think it's 13.5% that are your early adopters. And then you have your fat part of the bell curve, which is like 68%. You have your early majority. And then as the bell curve starts to go down, you have your late majority. And then you have the people who are just lagging behind. And that's your, yeah. your remaining percentile. And I think there's enough research that has shown if you are in that first 50%, you are much more likely to be successful than that last 50%. You look at companies, um, have you ever seen on Twitter or heard of Dan Price? Yes. He's the, he's the CEO of a company called Gravity Payments and a lot of what his organization has done is he's been an innovator in a lot of ways in that they raised the wages of their company long before a lot of these conversations sure. about wages were happening. And he his company um, he posted on where he's a connection of mine on LinkedIn um, and I saw him post and it was basically like we polled our employees. This percent wanted to work from home full time. This percentage wanted to work from the office full time. And then this percentage wanted to be able to do both. Sure. And so his resol- his resolve as a company was just do what you want. Wherever you are going to be the most productive, that's where we want you to be. And I think that I mean, with obviously with COVID, like this is a conversation that's been kind of pulled to the forefront because my company had to adapt. Your company had to adapt. Every, like I said, every single company had to change the way that every single company had to change the way that they did business in one way, shape or form. Yep. Sure. And the companies who were faster to react are, are reaping the benefits of that. Like, absolutely. And, and there's companies who didn't adapt and maybe it's to no fault of their own but they're now lagging behind. Like we see it a lot. It's commonly talked about the restaurant industry right now is struggling, struggling yeah, to catch that. up from the results of COVID. Yeah. And that could be something that happened pre-COVID in their desire to stay at a low wage and require and not require but almost force a lot of people to make money off of tips. That's the hilarious of- thing is I think you you are failing to see the bigger picture if you think that that is the cause because part of the hilarious thing about that too right is the argument of for the longest time there's been a significant number of people that are saying if you are unhappy with the wage then quit go somewhere else like as if like fuck you you're gonna keep working here like i know you're gonna keep working here and they're finally getting to the point like we have reached the point in society where people are like okay i fuck you i can't tell you how many people i know that worked in the restaurant industry covid happened because COVID happened, they found a different job that allowed them to work from home or allowed them to still make an income, and they're never going back to the restaurant industry. Yeah. They, this generation, I think more so than a lot, is more comfortable with less. 
I think a lot of the a lot of people would sure. rather take a more stable hourly wage or salaried wage that they know every single week or every single two weeks or month, however they get paid, that this is what they're going to make. And yeah. they are more comfortable being comfortable there than this week of serving, I made $1,400, but sure. last week I made 300 Like there's, the, I think this, comp this generation and the, what we're seeing as a result of COVID is people are looking for stability more than ever. And the organizations that adapted to offer stability to their employees are the ones that are currently still in a good, maybe not a great position, but at least a better position than they otherwise could have been if they didn't do that. I don't disagree with you, but I think part of that too is, and we've already alluded to this and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's not, it's not just the, the stability, it's people are, the individual is recognizing that they have power over their own happiness now too. Yeah. Like if you are unhappy, you leave. Yep. And people are taking, you know, I think empty threats of that have been a thing for a very long time where people are like, I don't like this job, I'm going to leave. But then they recognize like, oh no, I need the financial stability. But now they're, yeah. I think at a, as a society, and part of this is maybe a bad thing in terms of like the, the amount of unemployment that we that we gave out during COVID. That's a totally different conversation. But people had that as a backfall, at least for the last couple of years where they're like, I can quit this job or I can just fuck off and get fired from this job and I can still make money from home just on unemployment alone while I'm looking for something else or whatever, yeah. you know? And like I said, there are people that took advantage of that and that's a different conversation. But the end all be all is like people were less tolerant of the bullshit that was happening in certain businesses. I think and me personally over the last 12 to 24 months to the point where they were like, Oh, you're telling me like, if I don't like it to quit. Okay. Okay. I'm out. Yeah. Fuck you. Like I'm gone and they're going to go find somewhere where they're more happy. And, uh, you know, people I think are, there's a, there's a blame on wage increases or adaptations for a lot of people but like you said there's smart companies that recognize like yeah we're behind the curve already frankly in the wage gap and in just in the amount of that people are getting paid as compared to inflation especially if you look over a historical trend of this that people were like oh shit we fucked up let's get on top of this let's get our shit together and let's start paying people and those companies are fine they're having yeah. no problem keeping people employed and guess what they're still functioning they're not going out of fucking business because they're yeah. overpaying people or like have too much cost going to employment they're fine and so and you know you might see a small increase in cost as a customer i think that's probably normal and that goes hand in hand with inflation anyway but you're not going to suddenly see a 15 dollar fucking cheeseburger at mcdonald's because yeah. people are getting a little bit more money it's like well it's like dude that's a whole nother conversation honestly too it really is we could talk about that for a long time yeah I, I have very strong opinions when it comes to the arguments that are like, well, if you're going to raise wages, you have to raise prices and blah, 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 blah. Chipotle raised their wages for almost every single employee that they have, and their, their food costs had to go up 4%. Yeah, and I think the bottom line, too, is that like people, people refuse to look. So people see it as... Uh, the end user, right? So, like, the person that's consuming the product and the employee that's serving it to them, and they refuse to look above that person. Yeah. They don't look at what is management being paid? What is the CEO being paid? What are they doing with some of this money? Uh, and so, like, they kind of, they fail to see, again, the full picture, and you have to look at what is this company doing? What is this corporation doing, and how are al they allocating their funds? So, right now, food prices are down a little bit. But the employee is still making the minimum wage that's been the same since um, shortly after I entered the workforce. Yeah. It's been, I think, 2008, maybe, 
or somewhere in there is when the minimum wage went up right. from five twenty-five to seven twenty-five, uh, the federal minimum wage anyway. And so in that sense, like you have ten years plus of inflation built into that, where the minimum wage didn't increase, but the like prices have gone up anyway, right? That's what yeah. happens with inflation. And if you look previously, like way back in history, like generally speaking, the minimum wage was adjusted with that or wages went up with that but what we're seeing in modern times is the wage of the the you know the server or whatever the person that's at the bottom of the uh, of the totem pole hasn't gone up it's been the person at the top that's and it and we've had a reliance on trickle down economics for decades and it's we're finally it doesn't work people are realizing that it doesn't work it's like there's people are too greedy to trickle that money down they're not like oh i'm making 10 percent more this year i'm going to give people in my company one percent more it's hey i'm making ten percent more these guys can fuck off and stay the same yeah and so i'm gonna ask half of them to take a pay cut and yeah, work more hours or take more responsibility yeah. for no more pay but uh, like a hundred percent to what you're saying i pulled up like a history of the changes to minimum wage it changed in 61 63 65 66 67 and like yeah. you're saying the last time it changed was uh 2008 yeah, or 2000, 2009 is when it became effective. Sure. That was the last minimum wage increase that we saw. So it went from changing yearly or every other year to we've been at the exact same wage for the past 12 years. Yep. This is I like, can tell you right now, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's dollar menu isn't as big as it was well, years ago. Well, they call it a value menu now. Yeah, not exactly. Dollars, but yeah. Their value but, menu went away. Wendy's went away. Like that's just a super basic, like super basic thing. There are a lot of things that are cheaper now because there's more competition in the marketplace. But you're still getting what you pay for. If you buy a cheaper product, you're getting a cheaper product. You're getting yeah, lower. And quality. that's the thing too, right? If you look at the cost that McDonald's has incurred for the price of one cheeseburger for them to produce, like that cost that they have incurred over time with inflation has not changed that much. Yeah. And the price that they they're increasing the price of their food probably. A significant portion more than they're actually paying for, to produce that product honestly yeah. for, for major corporations like that and they still are not affecting their employees at all they're like i don't know like i said that is one specific topic that we could dive down in the fact of like what i'm talking about with modernization of companies and how they have to be willing to accept change but i think the bluff and we probably both agree is that it's um if you refuse to adapt and you think you can stay the same forever you're going to fail yes not maybe outright but you are going to come to a point of holy shit we are screwed and you're going to be in a scramble to repair from that and i think there are certain career fields that can handle that mine's probably one of them frankly and then but they're still going to eventually get to the point where they go okay we have to change yeah i I think that does happen eventually um it might come with some more pain for those that are (laughs) choosing to wait right um because honestly like and it's a conversation that we've had a little bit too it's like right like i I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm trying to keep my options open of things that I could do instead. Yeah. And part of that is workplace happiness, whether you're willing to accept that or not. Like you can't just expect people to follow your, your trend forever. And at some point in time, maybe I'm not happy enough in what I do and I leave. Well, yeah. And if like, you're not willing to try to help the people that you are, you know, tasking with things, then you need to maybe think twice about what you're doing as a company. Yeah. Like I, I, I know to kind of just like sum it up, I know right now that I could go somewhere and I could make a lot more money than I'm making right now. Mm-hmm. 
I know I have the skill set, I have the qualifications, I have the education, I have the experience in a lot of different industries that I could go to a different company right now and I could probably double, triple, quadruple my current income. But I have put a, I don't wanna say I put happiness on a pedestal, but I, happiness is a thing that I very heavily consider and I know that I'm a lot happier doing my job right now than I would be making four times what I'm currently making somewhere else. Yep. And for no. now, for this point in my life, I'm okay with that. Maybe there's a point two years from now where I say, I, I was talking to a friend about this last night. Maybe there comes a point in the next year, year or two where I say, screw it. I go to the sales industry and I just, for five years, I just bust my ass. I make a million dollars in the industry and I just say, fuck it. And like, that's all I care about. But I know that I'm not going to be happy if I do that. The motivations for individuals and society as a whole change over time. And if you don't adapt, you're not going to do well. Bingo. In my opinion. Agreed. You and I are <laughs> on the exact same page there. And I, I, when you brought it up, I kind of figured we would be. But yeah. it, it's, a, it's a good thing to talk about just because they're, especially now, like with all the conversations that do happen about, you know, unemployment and, you know, everything that has to go along with that, raising wages, raising costs. Like, I think most people probably feel the way that we do whether they realize it or not yeah i think again too and maybe i'm not seeing the whole picture and somebody if they think that i'm wrong feel free to reach out and tell me like hey have you considered this and maybe i'll change my opinion i i'm not sure i don't know like i think i think i take a pretty broad stance on like looking into what goes into effect this and so i'd, I'd like to think that i'm taking a pretty inclusive um you know sense of the the workplace in order to think about this but maybe i'm not so if i'm wrong correct me but i think if you my opinion currently is that if you are if you're only focusing on one aspect of this conversation then then you're probably misconstrued in your whole opinion which is like all of this to say that i agree with you that i think people probably mostly agree with us whether they um, mm -hmm. know it or not and i think if you include everything that goes into this you'd say oh shit yeah like yeah probably agree yeah. Awesome, man. You brought two really banger top t topics this week. I hope that my second topic lives up to the billing here. Real quick, I'm going to rank my beer. I'm not totally done with it, but I have an easy rank for this one, and that is a 4.6 because the longer I've drank this, the more I've disliked it. Yeah. To be completely honest. I that... think it is not very good. I think it's way worse than a Guinness, which I would have But that's always kind of apples apples. With. That's always my experience with, like, things that are just traditional i get bored yeah. after a while it's not boredom way. it's like just bad but i get what you're saying yeah like guinnesses i get bored like halfway through oh, i'm like guinness. i'm like i'm over it like i love guinness yeah well uh -huh. um like you i just hit a point where it's just like all right I, i've experienced this now give me sure. something else um for mine like i said it's better than the last one it's still not it's not mind-blowing i five four like, I'll drink it if you have it. It's my only option, but it's not going to be, like, something that I go and grab. It's interesting because I feel like on our podcast, you either have two just absolutely banger beers or you have two that are just absolutely terrible. Yeah. You don't well, get a good mix. I, so I I know beers now, and I know the breweries that I like, and especially for sure. our podcast, I'm getting things that I know I'm going to like. I'm not. I'm just trying to grab shit and try it. I'm going to have to get to a That's point the thing that I, I love that. about what we're doing on this podcast is not only are we having good conversation, in my opinion, but I also get to experience a whole, all sorts of things that I probably would have never picked up. Yeah. So I'm an I, ultra guy. 
I'm I drink ultra when I'm just doing my normal casual drinking, so I don't go pick up weird things usually. I'm going to get to that point too, though, where it's like I'm going to be like I have tried every dessert style or every flavored style or every stout that everywhere around me carries. And yeah. I'm gonna have to start ex- like expanding on that, and and I've, I've I've done that. Like I've you know I've tried porters. I don't like porters. I just yeah. I think I figured out what it is. I think I like the heaviness of a stout versus a porter. I you will know. say that categorically, I try to stay within the confines of something that I know that I'm gonna like, just so I don't waste it. Like, yeah. I don't go buy sour beers as things to try because I know that I don't like them. Oh, we're gonna do a sour so beer episode, don't them. you worry. Yeah, we'll do it eventually, and I'll just I will tough through it, and I won't waste it. But at the same time. Although I did waste a little bit of one of those beers that we had while you were in town because it was absolutely disgusting. That was bad. I chugged it just to get it over with. Unpredictably disgusting. Yeah, that was a shocker for both. But we were both looking forward to that one. And yeah, then it was sad just like we were looking forward to both of those, I believe. Yeah. All right, man. We've talked a lot. I don't have another beer to introduce because this is my last one and I'm going to finish it. What is your second topic of the week? So I, I guess we're just sticking on kind of like the philosophical side of things. So um, one thing that's always been very interesting to me is the unknown. And specifically when I'm saying that is like the, I guess this more ties into your your first topic, but like space and the ocean and like just the fact that there is so much even just in our world that we don't know. So I want to ask you if you could personally explore, reasonably speaking, the entire ocean or space to obviously the extent that is reasonably possible, which would you choose and why? I feel like you could easily guess what I'm going to pick on this one. And I think most people that know me well enough would probably yeah. be able to guess which one I would pick. I think because I know what you're going to pick. It but... is very easy to me to make the, the, the decision on this. Like hundred percent, I would never change my mind on this probably. And that is the ocean. Yeah. I would 110% rather explore the entire ocean than all of space. Uh, because I know with 100% certainty that there is some pretty fucking incredible things in the ocean that I haven't been able to witness on my own. Not to say that that's not true of space, but I think a majority of space, right? So like if you spent your entire lifetime in space, you would see a lot of nothing. Yeah. Probably 80 to 90% of what you're seeing is nothing. Just right. space, right? As opposed to the ocean, where I think that that is absolutely the opposite. I think a majority if you go anywhere in the ocean, you're always seeing something, right? You're not just seeing empty, vast water. Like I've been, I'm a scuba diver, or at least I was, I haven't gone quite a while. So I can't really claim that as much as I used to, but I love scuba diving, which is hilarious because I'm actually terrified of fish, but I love diving because there has never been an experience, right. That I've had where I saw nothing, right? Like you are, even if it's something that I've seen before, at least I'm seeing like, a different size shape color of some sort of fish right or something and it's just and uh i think it's there are so many unique experiences that you could have exploring the ocean like uh maybe in the depths of the ocean you get to a lot more like something similar to space where you're seeing a lot less things but we already have pretty solid evidence of the fact that there is still life even uh down in some of the incredible depths of the ocean there are some some just crazy critters that can yeah. fucking survive at that depth and they have like if you actually see some of the videos of people that have taken you know some of the deep diving craft on there like some of, some of that shit's just fucking insane it's pretty cool uh but like for me like um even like going in the ocean at night right like you have this the bioluminescence in the ocean is just absolutely incredible and every time that i've ever seen anything like that it's been 
uh, a whole new experience that I've enjoyed. And so I've spent enough time in the ocean now, enough hours where I know that I love that experience. And I think I would be not disappointed, but I think I would have less consistent, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the word entertainment, but like stimuli. Sure. Yeah. I would have less of that in space. I agree. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly there. Um, my reasoning is a little bit different than yours. Um, like I said, I like the unknown. Um, sure. I like things that I don't understand and I like finding out how I can understand them better. Um, it's part of the reason why I've always enjoyed, um, like they're called alt alt uh, alternate reality games. Um, so it's like a, uh, a video, long story short, it's a video format, um, most commonly done in video anyway recently, um, where it's telling a story of an alternate reality. And there's kind of an aspect where you're, you as a viewer are part of it, but not an integral part of it, but still an integral part of it. I could do, I'll do a whole episode on them. Um, um, and I'll, I'll give you some recommendations of ones that I think you should check out. But I like finding things near me that I don't understand too. So I'm looking into... Um, you know, looking at the ocean, this is something well within my reach. I can go to, if I want to, I can drive the 18 hours or probably not 18. It's probably like 12 or 13 to get to a coast right now. Um, I could do that drive right now and I could be at the ocean. Mm -hmm. I could have infinite budget. Like a lot of these larger institutions sure. like that we call countries have. And for as much money as the world has, and for all the technology that we have, 80% of our ocean still hasn't even been explored. Mm -hmm. And only, like, this article, about 7% of it is even considered, like, something that we truly understand. Not to mention the fact that just if you compare land to water on our own planet, yeah, there is a vast majority of it, like, over 70% that's water. So Exactly. So I think for me... Whenever I find out about new things, I'm always super intrigued. And I know if I got the opportunity to fully explore the ocean and fully see everything that goes on down there, mm -hmm. there's so many questions that can be answered. And there's so many things that we could find out about our past that just we're not going to find out. Just frankly, we're not going to do it. So if I had the, the ability to do that, if I have the ability to explore space, like you're saying, it's still going to take me X number of time to get to a planet, to get to the next mm -hmm. nearest planet. Like it's it, what, like seven years or something to get to mars something like that um but the, the shitty thing about that in my opinion right like in part of the reason why i have the opinion that i do is that we've seen now like images of the surface of mars and it's just a fucking rock yeah like would it be incredible to be there absolutely would the view be incredible absolutely but you're not seeing anything more than like a substance as yeah. opposed to the experience that you have in the ocean which is you know there's life there it is a completely different type of life than what you're used to. And it is something that is incredible to try to wrap your head around, like the way that things occur in the ocean, like the interaction between species in the ocean. Like there's so many things that you can literally witness before your eyes and you're not just, and okay. So like, even if you take like the best case, right? Like, so you say, no, like what if I find aliens in space? Like, first of all, do I believe in aliens? Yeah, probably. There's probably some life out there. Somewhere. I think, uh, let me tangent real quick. I think it is ignorant of me to assume that I, that Earth is the only planet that was blessed with living beings. Inhabited by life. Yeah, I agree with you. I believe that there is somewhere in the vast expanses of space that there is probably some other life form that is There's probably humans, very similar, almost identical to us, 
somewhere over there. And th that's the thing, right? Is like you could spend even with infinite resources, you might never find that. Yeah, you're just even gonna run exists, on time. You might not ever find it because of a yeah time and uh, you know just the limits of physics. Yeah. And so, like like you said though, I guess if like if this is a hypothetical conversation where you're saying like that that's not a problem and you could get to anywhere in space, then um, I still think that the experiences that you're gonna have within our own ocean, like in your lifetime, are gonna be better than what you would have trying to hunt forever in space. Yeah. Well, and with space too, like I go into it if I'm thinking about traveling space. I'm going to find a lot of places that, like you're saying, they're not inhabitable. I can't mm -hmm. be there longer than X mm -hmm. amount of time. Some places... Have you ever I played not... No Man's Sky? Holy shit, it's all just empty out there. Yeah, like, there's so much out there that I'm never going to be able to truly experience anything outside of saying, I went to Mercury once. Yep. I went to Pluto mm -hmm. once. Like, there's just... Was I went... it an incredible experience? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's but... cool. But, like, yeah. I didn't experience anything. Like, we've seen a lot of our solar system. Not a lot of our solar system. We've seen enough of our solar system and seen nothing to know kind of what to expect out of most of the planets that are within our nine, eight, whatever you call it, planets. Yeah, sure. That are right here. Whereas, like, the ocean, I know I'm going to see some crazy shit. Because I've already I'm... seen it in the parts that we have explored. And yeah. we've explored down to depths that are nothing compared to as deep sure. as our oceans get. The, the, uh, the thing about it, too, is not that the... Not that I don't think this about space necessarily, but the ocean is incredibly humbling. Like you yeah. go and you just see some of the things that you can find in the ocean just are like, holy shit, I am a small speck of life on this planet. And it's, it is truly humbling and an incredible experience. And like I said, I'm not saying that you wouldn't also experience something similar to that in space, but I think, I think you, it, it, it's a different sense of, of that same kind of emotion probably based on what I've seen. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, to me, everything that I'm going to see in the ocean that I haven't seen before is an alien. Like, I'm treating it no differently. Like, have you seen, uh, I'm forgetting the actual name of them, those crabs that look like giant fucking spiders? Like, those things are, oh, hold on, i got to figure out, um, I have to look at the picture, but let me see sure. if I can, I'm just going to search giant crabs and see what comes up. mud crabs no but so something like this i'll pull it over here and share screen real quick so so like something like this like these crabs that like these giant king crabs these coconut crabs like these things look so creepy to me like these, I like to me. These are an alien species because it's something that I don't sure. understand. Yeah, that's and what I said. Like the thing, the thing that is incredibly humbling about the ocean is you see the interaction of life down there, and you're like, holy crap, this is its own different type of world under the water, and it's uh, and it's a guaranteed place where you're going to see that, as opposed to space where you may never. Like I said, I have seen things that i still tell stories about today while scuba diving in the oceans where my mind is boggled like i will never wrap my head around some of the things yeah. that i've seen just like the incredible size of some of the things that i've seen and oh it's, yeah it's wild man and it is it is a humbling and eye-opening experience i think and I, I had it when i was significantly younger i haven't dove like i said in um at least eight years and so uh, 
I, I'm interested to see it. And I need to get back out there and check some things out and um, see see how I feel as as a more you know mature person, I guess, for lack of a better term, because I dove a lot when I was a lot younger, and see see kind of what I think now and see what type of experiences I could have as especially because the oceans are changing. Um, so I think it'd be pretty. I I would probably see totally new things now that I never saw when I was a kid. Yeah. I just think, and well, and another part of it uh, to get even, you know, a little bit deeper, um, like we, these ancient stories of the Kraken and these ancient stories of, you know, lost, now lost civilizations that are basically uh, just assume, yeah, just assumed to be part of the ocean at this point. Like, I want to know where the stories of the Kraken came from. Like, was it just basic octopi that people just that like, gets into it i feel like that's a whole different topic because you get into how have societies changed over time with the stories that they've told and i think that's actually an incredibly interesting topic of conversation and i didn't find that out uh maybe more specifically until i, I, I was in a specific college class that i had that kind of dove into yeah. that type of a thing but um i think we could literally probably spend an entire topic talking about that very specifically hey put write it down put it on the docket stories yeah of, you know, different types of tales. But, like, I want to know where those came from. Like, I... Yeah. I, it it goes into, you know, a, a different topic of my fascination with the um, the Uncanny Valley. Um, are you familiar with that? Not particularly, no. So, it's the feeling of... The feeling that something's off when something looks close to what it's supposed to look like, but doesn't. So, like, if I showed you a human... But that human was not what you define a human to be. You're naturally, most people naturally are going to feel diff, feel some way, type of way about it. Sure. They're going Twilight to have, zone shit. yeah, they're going to have a feeling internally that something is not right about sure. what I am seeing. So that kind of go, a lot of people have turned that into a thought process that like, if that's what people think, what did we encounter in the past that has made that part of our genetic code? Yeah, sure. So, and that kind of, you know, parlays into that side of things for me too, which like I said, I just like creepy shit like that. Um, And it's just super, it's one of those things that I could just get into a rabbit hole about and we can do four hours talking about this type of stuff. But yeah, it's just, it's a unique perspective that I wanted to kind of see where you lied on it. But I'm I'm definitely the same team as you. Like, 100% ocean for me. Yeah. I don't like exploring many things. The ocean. If you've never dove before, go out and dive. 100%. Yes. Even if it's or snorkel. even just a lake. Even snorkeling. Yeah. Even just going in a lake and yeah. doing that. Sure. It's, you can see some pretty incredible things. Yeah. Ocean much more so though. 100% De- advocating for the ocean. 100%. Definitely. But you know, that's a, that's all I had. You know, I just kind of wanted to Sweet. see your yeah. perspective no, on awesome. it and Yeah, absolutely. I, think I decided it's to do a thing to think about. Stick with the philosophical conversations sure. of the evening. I think we had some great topics of conversation on this episode. I agree. And in that note, we are running out of time. So, I will clean start to clean this up. Uh, by saying thanks everybody again for coming and listening into our podcast we absolutely appreciate the support and everybody coming to listen as always please 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 reach out to us on the social medias so uh we are very active on twitter uh, a little bit less active on instagram and we've both been trying to pick it up a little bit on facebook as well uh so you can reach out to either the two average husbands account uh number two abg husbands on twitter and instagram uh, just full spelled out to average husbands on Facebook. And then you can reach out to our personal handles that we have now uh, shown to you guys on the screen as we do the podcast. So Jake is Jake Perry 34 and I am Kyle and her son. Um, so reach out to us, let us know what you guys think, give us feedback, 
we can't make this better and better for the viewer unless you guys are giving us that feedback. So please continue to support us on the social medias as well. Give us a like, share our stuff, uh, and then continue to interact with us. In the comments live, as we super appreciate it. Generally, we always at least have Uncle Kyle on there, but he must have missed this week just because we're kind of shifting schedules a little bit, which is a little weird. And we're trying to get yeah. back to a, uh, some stability there, and we'll keep you guys informed as we get there. But again, sorry. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and thank you for listening to us as always. Jake, let you wrap this one up. Yeah, so like Kyle kind of alluded to there, we are trying to get on a more consistent schedule just for everybody to come in, hang out. You know, we love the live interaction that we get. So for the time being, it sounds like we're probably going to be live on Wednesdays yes. um, for at least the next five, six weeks or so until our schedules start to clear up. And then we're looking at, you know, a Thursday again or, or Fridays, looking at one of those as an option as well. So, you know, as Kyle alluded to, you know, every time that we, I log into our RSS and I see, you know, new listeners or new listeners popping up in new spots, it's always super cool to see, you know, like we always say, we're just two dudes who, we're, we're, we're getting together to have a couple beers and shoot the shit. So it's always great to have other people, you know, enjoy to listen, enjoy listening to us talk. Interact is better. Yeah. Love that you're listening. Interact with us too. It's yeah. even better. If you want to hop on the podcast and you're one of our loyal listeners, shoot us a DM. <laughs> You know, we'll, we'll get figure people, something out. Yeah, yeah, we'll get out. some people on here. We'll have some of these deep conversations with more people than just me and Kyle. But sure. thank you all for tuning in. We will see y'all next week, and have a great rest of your night. Peace.